Okay, good morning everyone. Today's shir should be for Rafua Shlema for Avonzela Ben Sipora, Itamoshachayim Venesta for Eloy Neshama, Rechayas Vitevus Gabriel Pinchas, Yusan Basfebin, Kamiyosh Ibn Reza. Okay, so yesterday, just a little bit of house cleaning. Yesterday we were discussing the concept of Osik Mitzvah, Potter Mena Mitzvah. And in that context, we discussed that an Ovel is always Chayav in Mitzvos, except for Tfilin because it's not always the, the actual acts of, of, um, of Avelos, the mitzvah, but the thought process may not be, that may be Rishus, and since that doesn't necessarily occupy uh, your mind as much, then it's a Dabar Rishus, therefore you will be Chayv in all the other mitzvahs. However, the Gemara did say, it brought a Pasuk from Yechezkel, Chavush Pe'ercha Alecha, right? Pe'ercha Chavush Alecha, the tefillin is referred to as a pair. A pe'er is glory, it's the crown, the jewel. And since Avelos, typically the first day, Rashi says the tour is only for the first day when they put dirt on the fort or when they're rolling around by the grave, so you do not go ahead and put filling on the first day. Interesting, by the way, there is a halacha, there is a halacha that you're not allowed to put filling on when you have panim chadashos. Panim chadashos typically means we usually associate it at Sheva Brachos, that we have to have new faces who are not there at the Chopah. There is a concept also of Panim Chadashos by Tefillin, that you're not supposed to wear Tefillin if you're seeing someone on, the, on that day who you have not seen at Levi or the day before. So theoretically, on day one, Yom HaKvura, you don't put on Tefillin. If you were to see people come to your house the next day to Menachem Ava, you will not put Tefillin on either. If they're already on, you don't take them off, but you don't put tefillin on. So Rav Shechter suggests when it comes to the second, when someone's in Avelos, when it comes to the second, third, fourth day of Avelos, put the tefillin on before you open your house to let the menachemim, the, the comforters, come in so that you have it on already. When they come in, you don't have to take it off. In any event, that's just a side halacha. In any event, it's very interesting. The Gemara here refers to <clears throat> tefillin as a pe'er. In Menachos, Daf Mem Gimel Tosfos calls Tzitzis a Begit Shel Avdos. It is a Begit that reminds us that we are slaves. Slaves to who? Kaddish Baruch Hu. So we have the two main articles of clothing that we wear, the, the special mitzvos that we don, Tefillin, which is a Pe'er, which is a glory, and Tzitzis, which is Avdos. It's interesting to note that if one of them was a Begit of slavery and one was a Begit of royalty, the Tefillin, the Pe'er, which one is obligated? What are we obligated in every day? We're obligated in tefillin. We must wear tefillin every day. Tzitzis, you can, but not must. Right? You have to opt into wearing tzitzis. You have to wear something that has four corners to, to wear b'chayv and tzitzis. Isn't this counterintuitive? If the beged, if the clothing that represents slavery is tzitzis, that we have to opt in for. But the one that presents... presents pre- uh, represents royalty, the pair, the tefillin, that we have to wear. That's counterintuitive. So in truth, it's really not. Hashem wants us to show that we are royalty. But to be a slave, you have to opt in. If we would accept the mitzvos just because we have to, it wouldn't have the same significance. Let's, let's open our, open our, um, open our sidurim for a second. Everyone go to Halal, please. While you're, while you're turning, opening to Halal, I'll tell you a famous story. There's a well-known story that the Svas Emes over Sukkis, Sukkis we know is Yom Simcha Seinu. It is the only time where the Chumash mentions the word Simcha twice. 
So it is the holiday of Simcha Yisera. It's a lot of Simcha. 766. 766. As a matter of fact, though, turn two more pages, maybe three more pages, to the paragraph of, there we go, Tilim Kuftezayin. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Turn to Ma'ashiv. Now, one second. Just 770, y'all's favorite number. 770. Okay, so now. So, so, the Sfas Emes told his tzibor, told his congregation, when you come to the words, Ana Hashem, I want you guys to go crazy and give extra simcha, sukkis. So, kachava. So, during Halal, when it came to Ana Hashem, Moshiana, half the tzibor went berserk in a good way. They were gishmak, they were yelling, Ana Hashem, Moshiana. And we came to Anashem Atzlichana, the other half was starting to scream and yell, Anashem Oshina. After all, the Svasem has told the Tibor, when you say Anashem, give extra simcha. After davening, they asked the Svasem, so which half was right? He said, neither half. That was not the Anashem he's referring to. If you look at Anashem Oshina, how do we spell it, Ayo? You're a grammarian. How do you spell it? Next page. Aleph. One more. Aleph Nun. Aleph Nun. What does that mean? Anna, please. Please. Now turn to Anashem, please save us, Anashem, Matslichana, save us. Now go back to page 770 and read Anashem Kiani Avdecha, the last line on the page. Anashem, how's it spelled there? Aleph Nun Hey. We all, and how does, how does they, they interpret it here? How do they say? Most people say please also. So the truth is the Radak says Ana with a Hey is not please, it's a Lashon Hoda'a. If you look at the Radak in Tehillim, Perakuf Tezayin, Kofiudzai, and he actually says, Ana, Aleph Nune. Everyone just assume it means please. It means thank you. We are thanking Hashem, says the Radak of David Kimchi, Ana Hashem Kiani Avdecha. We are thanking him for allowing us to be as slaves. Only by a Baruch do we have this concept that we are excited to be a slave. We do not reserve, this is reserved for a Baruch Hu. It is not for a Basar Adam. We are not allowed to have this relationship when it comes to a human master. So much so, that when an Evan Ivri, who was supposed to be freed after six years, says, I don't want to go free. I love my wife, I love my master. We punish him by piercing his ear. The concept of Avdus, that we're happy, that we opt in by voluntarily putting on the tzitzis, the baggage of Avdus, we opt in to being an Evan Hashem. We only type of slavery you're allowed to opt in for and to be happy about it is when it comes to being an Evan Hashem. When it comes to being evid for a bus for a bus of Adam, we're not allowed to. In fact, R- Rashi says there are two reasons why we pierce the ear. Rashi says, Ozen Shashama, that ear that heard Kilo Signov, the Halach Zevaganov, this person, how do we become an evid every one of two ways? Either you stole something from someone and you cannot repay, and you have to work off your debt. Or, sorry, either you're in such dire straits that you're willing to sell yourself as an indentured servant because you'll get room and board and you work it off. Or because you stole something, can't pay back. Bezin says you have to go ahead and work it off. That's the, <clears throat> that's the number one. The other way, so those are the two ways you become a slave. But Rashi says, why the heir? Because the heir that heard, Lo signov halach zevaganov. You heard, don't steal and you stole. The other reason Rashi says, the same heir that heard, Kili avadim, avadim avadim. Hashem says, you are my servants. You are not allowed to acquire a separate, ser- a separate master. Halach zev, by, by going into slavery, you're going ahead now and acquiring for yourself a human master. And for that, we punish the heir. The heir that heard, 
I am your master and only I'm your master violated the ear that heard that request violated by getting a new master. So the Maharal Diskin asked the following question. Moshe Yeshua Leib Diskin moved from Brisk in 1878 because by saying that he wants to go ahead and reacquire, stay in slavery, he's reacquiring a new master right now by extending slavery, so he pierced his ear. When did he steal? He stole six years ago. Why are we piercing his ear now? So he says the truth is, the punishment, we tried to punish him then by putting him into slavery. It just turns out retroactively it wasn't punishment. He says, I love it here. I don't want to say, if it was a punishment, as soon as the, <clears throat> the sentence ran out, He'd run for the hills. But the fact that he's staying and remaining with the Evid, with the master, turns out retroactively it wasn't a punishment six years ago. So now's the first opportunity we have to punish him, so he punishes here. We tried punishing him six years ago when he stole. But the point is that we're not allowed to have this relationship with anyone else other than Akash Baruch. We have to love being an Evid Hashem. And that's what the Radak says, Ona Hashem ki Thank you Hashem. Ona Lashon Hoda. Alif Nun Hey. We all overlook that. We all think it's pleased, just like Anashem Oshia and Anashem Oslicha, not spelled differently. Many Sidurim <coughs> interpret Ana Aleph Nun Hey as pleased, but it's not. The Radak says there in Tehillim, it's thank you. Thank you, Hashem, for allowing us to be your slave. And that's why Tzitzis is something that we have to opt in for. It's a Begit Shel Avdus, Tosso says, but it's not mandatory. Tefillin, to show that we are pair, that we're the royalty, that we're bonim to Hashem, Hashem is royalty, and we have to show that we're royalty, you have to wear tefillin. But it means much more to Hashem, to a master, if you opt into the slavery. We don't do mitzvos because we have to, we want to do the mitzvos. And that's why you have to opt in for the tzitzis. That's why we can only have this relationship to our Baruch That's why the Eved gets punished when he extends his slavery to a new, to a new Adon. And that's why the Radak says, it says, on Hashem, Aleph and Hey, not Aleph, no and Aleph. Okay. Beautiful, correct. Beautiful. Okay, now let's get back to the Gemara. That was just house cleaning from yesterday. Okay, so we are up to the two dots exactly in the middle of the daf of Yud Aleph Amad Aleph. We were discussing yesterday the different position. According to Beishama, Beishach B'chav Kumecha means that you have to go ahead and have a certain position when you say Kriyashman, according to Rash, according to Beis uh, Hillel, it was simply a time factor. It was not time and position. So the Gemara continues. Tanar Rabbanon. Everyone have the two dots? Yes. Okay, Beis Hillel, Omim, Omdim, Vikorin. We said, according to Beis Hillel, you can say it's standing up. Yosh, Vikorin, you can say it's sitting down. Matin, Vikorin, you can say it laying down, lying down. Aholchin, Baderach, Vikorin. Or you can actually be on your way. You can say it while traveling. Even osin b'malachtan akarim, you could even do it while doing work. Meaning, you stop work to go ahead and give the proper kavana, but you don't necessarily have to change your position. Okay, ma'aseh Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Lazim and Azariah, these two tanarim were were uh, together. Shayim asumin b'malkom echad. They were laying down. They were no, sorry. They were uh, um, eating together. Sorry, they were laying down. Uh, sorry again. They were eating together, having a suda. Vehayi Rabbi Shmuel muta. Rabbi Shmuel was laying down. But he was standing up. 
For those of Nazari, that is. Kevan Shigiyazman Kriyashma. Once the Zman Kriyashma came, came, meaning at night, he to Rebbe Lezer. Rebbe Lezer went down and he laid, he was standing and he lay down. Vizokaf Rabbi Shmal. Rabbi Shmal, who was laying down, stood up. Amla Rebbe Lezer, who was the one that was standing, who now lay down. Amla Rebbe Lezer, Rabbi Shmal, Shmal Achi, Shmal, my brother. I'm going to give you a parable. I was standing and I lay down to say Shema, and you that were already laying down stood up. So what is exactly this scenario similar to? Someone comes over to someone and says, your beard is beautiful. It's, it's thick, it's long, it's a beautiful beard. So the person who had the beard said to them, let me go ahead and uh, take a razor or, a, uh, or scissors and let me start to cut my beard. You just you went ahead and you complimented me. I complimented you, Rabbi Lezer was saying, and you're going, I said your beard is beautiful and you're asking the barber to come to give you a shave. You're, you're insulting me. I went ahead and assumed the position that you were in. I was standing and you were laying. So Zaman Kriyashma came, I tried to mimic you, I laid down, as soon as you saw me lay down, you stood up. So Kuf means actually standing up straight. So Kef Kifufim, Hashem straightens up those who are bent. It means standing up. That's just, that's just, that's what we say. It means straight up. Straight. Yeah, yeah. So Kef Kifufim, that's what we say in the morning. Af Af Kach Atad. So you are, you are similar to what I just, what that parable. I complimented you and you destroyed the, the compliment by shaving your beard. Shani Zakov. All the while that I was standing up, Atamuta, you were laying down in position ready to say Kriyachma. I lay down to mimic you, Atazakafta. And you get up? That that's I, I complimented you. That's how you respond to my flattery? Amr Labishma responds to Rabbi Kiva. to Rabbi Lazar. I went ahead, I was laying down while we were eating. When it came time to Zman Kriyashma, I had to follow Shita's base Hillel, which means to Stand up. But you, who are, sorry, you who are already standing up, lay down, you were following Beishamai. Not only were you following the wrong Shita, Ella, I was concerned, they went, might go ahead and see me laying down, and based on my actions, they would go ahead and establish, establish Halacha. You should know, by the way, there's a famous story, I think it was Rav Chaim Salvechik, who of Chaim Brisker, who was on his way to light candles, and his Talmidim were watching him, and there was a broom in the way. He stood over the broom, he walked over the broom to go to the, to the Chanukiah. The following year, all his Talmidim put a broom, because they thought that uh, there was something about wearing a broom. In other words, we see the, the acts of Sadiqim, and we go ahead and we infuse Kedusha to them. So they, they saw, they, he said, if they, the Talmidim would see me laying down for Kriyashma, they would assume that Allah is like and therefore I didn't want to do that. So the Mora says, my <clears throat> Why do you have to give, why do Rabbi Shemal have to give a second reason? It's not enough to say that you were going to follow Beishamai and that's the wrong halacha. Not only that, but the Talmidim would have seen and they would have inferred the wrong, uh, wrong halacha. So the Gemara says, What's the problem if you lay down? Does that mean you're doing something wrong? Even Beis Hillel says you can lay down. He says any position. The issue is you were wrong because you were standing up. And if people would see that you went from standing to laying specifically to say Kriyashma, what message would that send? That you have to lay down. 
Me, on the other hand, I was already laying down, so I could have gotten away with it. But once you change your position specifically for Kriyashma, I had to go ahead and stand up. I could have stayed laying down. Right. If we were both laying down from the beginning, nothing would have been different. <clears throat> Everything would have been fine. The fact that you were standing up, and then he gives man Kriyashma shal Arvis, and you lay down, what would the onlooker think? The onlooker would think that you bedafka changed position to accommodate Shittas Beishamah, which is wrong. So to negate that, I had to stand up. But he says, that's why he says that you, pos- that you did like Beishamah and you were wrong. If I could lay down, it's not a problem. But because I was already laying down, but you can't change your position to lay down specifically, because that shows a holding of Beishamah, and therefore I had to go ahead and undermine and, and undercut, so to speak, what you did, so that <clears throat> the Talmudim would not get the wrong idea. Okay, the Gemara continues. Tani, Rabbi Cheskel, also give Rabbi Shammai, also give Rabbi Silla. So Rabbi Cheskel says, if you do like Rabbi Shammai, you're okay. And if you like Rabbi Silla, you're okay. Rabbi Yosef, Amar, no. Also give Rabbi Shammai, lo also lakum. If you hold like Shittas Beishamai, if you said it while laying down, you do not score any points. <clears throat> this man. We have another Machlokis Beishil and Beishamai. And this we're going to discuss today about Sukkah. Mishahaya Rosh of Aruba Basukah Vishulchan Basukhabayas. So let's backtrack a second. There's a minimum amount that a sukkah has to be in order to be kosher. The minimum amount is Zayin al Zayin Tfachim. You have to be the sukkah has to have <coughs> seven by seven tfachim. Now generally, that's enough for a person to be in there, but not your table. So when we say Rosho Verubo, your head and the majority of your body is inside the sukkah. The implication is that the table that you're eating from is outside the sukkah. Why is that a problem? So theoretically, if someone brings a brownie to you and you eat it in the sukkah, exactly, in the sukkah, it's not a problem. But we're concerned that Shema Yimshach Achar Shulchana. We're afraid that if this is my sukkah and this is my table, then I'm going to get up, I'm going to go grab a brownie, and I may forget and I may eat outside the sukkah. So there's a concern that the sukkah, even though it meets the minimum requirement, is still possible because we're afraid it's going to lead to you eating outside the sukkah. That, in fact, is Shittas Beishamai. Beishamai says, say again? That's what Beishamai says. Beishamai says that Rosho, his head, Verubo, the majority of his body, is in the sukkah, but Shulchano is outside. It's not good. It's not a kosher sukkah because we're afraid it's going to lead to bad things. Okay, and Beis Hillel disagrees. Beis Hillel says, no, we're not worried about that Shem Yimshach. He may go out to get from the buffet, but he'll come back into the sukkah. So the, the, <clears throat> this is the Gemara brought from Sukkah of Chavches. The Gemara says, Mishaya Roshav, Arubah Basukah, Vishulchan Basukhabayis, but the Shulchan was outside of the sukkah. It doesn't matter if it's in the house. As long as it's outside the sukkah, that's the case. Bishamai posts and Bishamai says, the sukkah is not kosher. You are not Yotze if you eat in that sukkah because we're afraid that you are going to wind up eating outside when you go to the buffet and forget to go back to the sukkah. Basila Machshirin. Basila is not concerned about that. Armulahem Basila Bishamai. Basila says to Bishamai, Maisa Shahalchu Zikne Bishamai, Vizikne Basila Vakas or Yochum. There was an instance where all the Zikainim of Beishamai and the Gedolim as well, and the Zikainim of Beishilo, went to go ahead and be Mavaka. They visited Rabbi Yochanan ben Charanis in the Sukkah. Mitzau, they found Rabbi Yochanan, Shaya Rosh, Avruba, Besukkah, Shulchan, Besukkah, Bais. They found this exact case. There was a, uh, a, uh, a Sukkah that was just big enough to fit, uh, to fit the, the person, Rabbi Yochanan, but not the table. That he was eating and no one said a word to him, which implies that they, they agreed with him, that they thought that that was kosher against Beis Hillel. And, and so Beis Hillel says, we see 
that uh, that no one said anything to him, which means that that kind of sukkah's so, so kosher against your opinion, Beishamai. So Amrulahem Beishamai retorted, Misham Raya, you think that's a proof? You're wrong. They did say something. Afheim Amrulah, no, they agreed. Even Beishamai said that if you did it like that, then you were not Yotzi the mitzvah, which basically means that they realized that they were they were wrong in that case. And that you're not Yotze, you're not Yotze uh, if, if you behave like that. We're going to get to this machlokas back in a second. Let's just finish up the Gemara. The Gemara continues, the last point. Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak Omar, Asa Kedivrei Beishamai, Chai Misa. Remember in our Mishnah we said that Rabbi Tarfon was traveling and he went to lay down in the middle of traffic. He got off of his, of his donkey and he laid down. He said, I was almost killed. He said, Amar Rabbi Tarfon, we tasted the Kos Kedivrei Beishamai. I got off my donkey to go ahead and read. Kriyat Shema, say Kriyat Shema, like Beshama. If you can't about me, I put myself in a tremendous, dangerous situation. Bipnei, listen, because of the, uh, the the pirates, the robbers, Amr alone, they said to Kudayis Lechob Atzimcha, you were you deserve death. Shavat al Divrei Beshilal, because you went ahead and did not listen to Shitas Beshilal, and that is the end of the Gemara. So I want to discuss right now. I know we just finished Pesach; it's a little early to start with Sukkot. Not thirty days before Sukkot, but a very fundamental question. Is the building of a sukkah a mitzvah or not? Who says not? Who says yes? Raise your hand if you say it's not a mitzvah. Who says, you say it's a heksher mitzvah. So a heksher mitzvah. So who says it's not a mitzvah, just a heksher mitzvah? Okay, everyone is right. In Judaism, you can say either way. You always, you always have someone in your corner. And, and you always have heavyweights in your corner. I would never put someone on the spot if you didn't have anyone in your corner. So you should know in the future, if I ask someone who says something, someone in your corner. Two hands, what? That's the smart one. He's voting both. All right, Jeff, good. Okay, so <clears throat> very, very important question. Is the building <clears throat> of a sukkah a mitzvah or not? Yes. What would be the reason to say yes? What would be the reason to say no? Any thoughts? So you have an obligation to build the sukkah. Oh, that's not what it says. Though. Where does it say in that word? It says, what, Let me ask you a question. If, someone else if I Yao built the sukkah and you sat in it, did you fulfill that mitzvah? Absolutely. You did. So, Especially if it's my sukkah. So, <laughs> it'll fall on your head. Yeah, just no. the speech alone will keep you there for two days. <laughs> so, the announcements for two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll have the best sukkahs ever. You won't stop. So, so we love you. Oh, yeah, we love you. <clears throat> so now, so, okay, so Laser says, Sukkos Teshu, what about, there's another Pasuk. Chaga Sukkos, Ta'aseh, right? Ta'aseh, you have to make. So let's see. So there's certain mitzvos where the Torah actually goes out of its way, gives you the Heksha mitzvah. We discussed this more than it's if. Where certain mitzvos, it says, Va'asisem tzitzis, Uchsafta mezuzos, right? There's certain mitzvos, the, mezuz- the mitzvah mezuzah, is not to go ahead and write it, but to affix it to our doorposts. The mitzvah of tzitzis, or isim also, but yet it says, va'asisem, chsavtam, write the mezuzah, va'asisem, uh, make the tzitzis. There are certain mitzvahs where the preparatory stages are actually clearly articulated and stated in the Torah. Here, let's see. This is fascinating. The last words of the, the Ramah in Hilchas Yom Kippurim and the very first halacha in Hilchah Sukkah, they're literally juxtaposed to each other. Listen to what the Ramah says. He says, in Simon Tafri Shchavdal, he says, Vamedaktakim, those who are very exact, Maschilam Miyad, Rimotzi Yom Kippur, the second Yom Kippur is over, we go ahead and we do a mitzvah right away. What's the mitzvah we do? We do Kiddush Levana. 
and then we eat the stale cookies. But right, miyan biyotzi yom kippurim baasias hasuka. Miyan, sorry, I'm medakting maschina miyan biyotzi yom kippurim baasias hasuka. The second yom kippur is over after you eat, you start to build the sukkah. Kitei lotzes mi mitzvah el mitzvah. You go from one mitzvah to another mitzvah. That's the Ramah. And he says the same thing also in the first halacha in Hilcha Sukkot. He says the mitzvah l'takin asukkah miyad. If a mitzvah comes to your, to your hand, don't delay. So in both cases, he says, building the sukkah is a mitzvah. Let's just keep that in the background. Now, listen to the Mishnah. That's the halacha. Let's, well, let's go back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah in Shavuos discusses there, if you are nishma levatalas a mitzvah, I'm not allowed to go and say that I will not wear tefillin. Why? All of us, we were all on Hashemah, so we're already at Har Sinai. And there's a concept of mushba va'omid mehar sinai, a shvua, a neder, a promise that we took on upon ourselves when we said nasa v'nishma is binding to all of us, right? We're not allowed to eat chazer. I can't go ahead now and go ahead and say, I make a neder. There's a mitzvah to keep your neder. You're not supposed to make a neder, but if you do make a neder, you have to keep it. So I make a neder, I'm going to eat chazer. I'm not going to wear tefillin. Is that neder chal? So the Gemara says, in this case, the Shvua, Mishnah and Shvua, Stavchofte says, Nishba levatel es mitzvah. If I swear not to do a mitzvah, and listen to the examples that it gives, Shalom la'asos sukkah, v'shalom lito lulav, not to build a sukkah, not to take a lulav, v'shalom la'aniach tefillin, and, and not to put on tefillin, it's a Shvua shav. It has no validity whatsoever. That's source number one. What do we see? It lists asiyah sukkah, building a sukkah, as an example of, I swear, levatelas a mitzvah, to obliterate, to nullify the mitzvah. Number two, Nadarim says, Ketzat, they're talking about um, the differences between a shvua and a neder. Shvua, by the way, is always on the, on the person. A neder is on the object. An easy way to remember that, the name Noach, Noach, Nunchet, Noach is on the chefza. A neder is on the chefza. The neder is on this water is usher to me. This just as far as the Gemara is concerned. This water is usher to me. That's a neder. The Garva would say the shvua is I am not allowed to drink water. That's the difference between a neder and a shvua in halacha. A shvua is on the person, on the Gavra, and the neder, Noach, Nunches, neder is on the chefza. Neder, I, this water is usher to me. Okay. So the Gemara is there, and amongst, when it's discussing the difference between neder and shvua, it says, listen to what it says. Ketzad Amar Konam Sukashani Osa. I'm, I will not build the sukkah, the, sorry, the sukkah that I'm building, I cannot sit in. Lulav shani no, tell shani miniach, so on and so forth. That is, you're not allowed to be nishbon, la'avor la mitzvah. It says, I'm not going to sit in the sukkah, I'm not going to, sorry, use the sukkah that I built. That is an example of nishbon levatel sa mitzvah. And lastly, the Gemarang Suvis discusses, we're allowed to force someone to do something, right? You're allowed to force someone to give a get, right? You're allowed to force someone until they say rotsani. For a mitzvah, we know deep down there's a pentelayid in everybody. Everybody really wants to do the mitzvah. They need a little coercion. Sometimes a lot of coercion. So you're allowed to coerce someone. It says, We tell someone, you have to go ahead and build the sukkah. And he doesn't want to build the sukkah. Or if Eino... Take a lulav, doesn't want to do it. You're allowed to hit him and coerce him physically until he dies. But all three examples listed in the Gemara, Mishnah, in, in the Dharm, Shavuos, and Ksuva seems to suggest that building a sukkah is a mitzvah. Thank you. Now, what would be the source? 
Dude, I'm bringing the other side now. Don't sit so pretty. <laughs> now, now. I said no more questions. Uh, and I says it's over. Okay. Now, so what's the source? Why would we say there's a source to build? So Laser pointed out correctly to the most famous passage, but that doesn't say anything about building. There is a passage that says, Chag you should make. Now, what's the simple understanding of Chag Does it mean to build a sukkah? No, we also say Shabbos. We also say to make Shabbos. It means to celebrate, to commemorate Shabbos. It doesn't really mean to build a sukkah, but at least Ta'asa is an active, an action that's more related to building than yeshiva is. But the truth is, from these two, from this pasuk of Chag Sukkos Ta'aselcha, we learn two separate limudim, which has nothing to do with actually building the sukkah. One of them is that you're not allowed to have an existing sukkah. Ta'asev lo mena asoy. Right, you have to build a sukkah from scratch. You can't use one. So if Alan has a pergola, let's just say that has schach on it all year long. You have a pergola, I think. And it has schach on it all year long. You, you know you have to take it off, put new ones on. You, right, of course. Okay, so that's exactly it. Why isn't the schach, let's assume the schach isn't dried out. Let's say, he, whatever. Let's just say he has nice schach that, that's, that, that lasts all year long. <laughs> Why would he have to go ahead and put new schach within a month of sukkahs because it's not designed as a sukkah right now. There's no significance to a pergola halachically in the middle of March. So ta'aseh v'loman asoy, when it says this, asoy means you have to make a new sukkah. This sukkah that he has, he has to do something to demonstratively show that he's building a sukkah. So he lifts up the schach and he puts new schach on. Or he can put the same schach on, but you have to at least do something. That's halacha number one. And the second halacha is that when you build a sukkah, it has to be the shema. But we don't learn any... From those, from that pasuk, we don't learn that you have to build a sukkah. So where do we have to? Um, where do you actually have to learn that we have to build a sukkah? So in truth, many achronim hold laasos really just is a euphemism for sitting in the sukkah. Meaning, it doesn't really mean to build a sukkah. It really means to sit in a sukkah. And we're gonna give some examples in a second. But there's a famous, famous, amazing, amazing insight by the Avnei Nezer. The Avnei Nezer, we quote, is the Sakhachav Rabbi. Avnei Nezer says as follows. He says something amazing. He says that it was 1887, in one of his uh, pieces, in 1887, he delivered a Shabbos Shuvah Drasha, and he said that year, you have to build the sukkah before Shabbos. Typically, you're allowed to build the sukkah up until sukkah starts. That year, let's just say Sukkot started Sunday night. Let's just give an example, okay? Monday was the first day, Sunday night. He said, don't wait till Saturday and mostly Shabbos, even though it's still a full 24 hours before Sukkot to build your Sukkah. Build your Sukkah before Shabbos. Why? He thought that they would violate, there's a concept called Ein Ma'avir and Ala Mitzvos. What does Ein Ma'avir and Ala Mitzvos mean? So there's a Gemara in Megillah, Davav, that discusses, during a leap year, remember we had a beautiful insight of the Margalos Hayam, what Chaparas Pasha, the 13th thing we add in Musaf, we said you're allowed to go ahead and we add a, when we add a, um, a month in Ibrishana, we add the 13th month is other days. The Gemara in Megillah discusses when do we fulfill Purim in that year? Do we do the mitzvah Sayyam, the four mitzvahs of Purim on other Aleph or other base? So it's Machlokas Tanaim. We hold other base. But, but, What's the reason to say you do it in other Aleph versus other base? So in other Aleph, the Gemara says, Ein mavir If you have a chance to do the mitzvahs, you're going to wait another month. Who knows what's going to happen in a month? Maybe a person won't be here. Something's going to, whatever it is. You have a chance to do a mitzvah. And ba, mitzvah, the adera, the adecha, atach mitzvah. You don't delay. You do it right away. 
the, so that would be the opinion of those the Tanoam who say do it in other Aleph. Those who say do it in other Beis, they believe that you're so much Geula to Geula. We want to show the Geula of time of Persia. Persia. We want to juxtapose it to the Geula of Mitzrayim. So therefore you do it back to back. Other Beis. Rashi's of the opinion that this concept of Ein Mavir in Ala Mitzvahs is a Dindar Isa. That if you violate Ein Mavir in Mitzvahs, so if you violate, you lose the opportunity to do a Mitzvah, you violate a Dindar Isa. Says the Avdei Nezer something unbelievable. There's, no, there's nowhere to be found, there's no source for this, but this is what he says. He says, what's the difference between Zrizin Magdimin, when we go ahead and we have the opportunity to do a Mitzvah, we do it with alacrity, with zeal, enthusiasm, we get up early, what's the source for Zrizin Magdimin? Avram with the very good Avram uh, with the donkey, Vayashkim Avram Bokeh. When he went to go ahead and saddled his donkey to go ahead and for the Akeda, Vayashkim Avram. He, he he got up early. Says the Avni Nazer. I'll tell you a very important difference. When there's an opportunity to do a mitzvah, and if you don't do the mitzvah, you will lose that opportunity even temporarily. That is a violation of Ein Ma'avirin Ala Mitzvos. If you're merely delaying or suspending the mitzvah, but there's never a time that you can't do it, that is his reason, Makdimin. For example, bris milah. If we don't do the bris on the eighth day of a child, is it, is it a new mitzvah, the day nine, or is it merely a continuation of the previous day's mitzvah? It's a continuation of the day's previous mitzvah. It's not a new mitzvah, chiyav, that's set in. It's the same obligation from yesterday. But he says, says the Avnei Nezer, if you don't do the mitzvahs the first time of the first other Aleph, if you don't do the mitzvah support the four mitzvahs of the day on other Aleph, can you do it a week later? No, you'd have to wait until you dial it other base. So you're, you actually violate Ein Marvir and Allah mitzvahs, but not by brismila. You could do brismila anytime. So if, there's a, if it's just a question of Zerizin, for example, Zerizin I don't do 8 o'clock in the morning. I'll do it, let's say, 3 o'clock that afternoon. I didn't violate Ein Marvin because there was never a time during the seven hours that I'm not able to fulfill the mitzvah. It's only, the only time you violate this concept of Rashi, it says the Arisa, of Ein Marvin on the mitzvah, you're not allowed to pass up on a mitzvah. If by passing up the opportunity, the opportunity is gone dormant for a while, it may resurface a month later, but it's gone. And that's a violation. You catch that or no? But the reason my theme, it just means I'm delaying it, but the opportunity to do it is still there. If I don't do we typically do brisim at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning. You could do it in the summer until 8 o'clock at night when it's still light outside. And you can do it the next day. But assuming you do it 10 hours later, you don't violate Ein Mavirin. Okay? You just, you didn't fulfill Zerizin Makdimin that we were supposed to approach the mitzvah with alacrity. So he said that year, since Shabbos is coming in between, since Shabbos is coming in between Yom Kippur and Sukkot, if you don't go ahead and build the sukkah before Shabbos, obviously on Shabbos you cannot build the sukkah, so you would violate Ein Mavir and Allah Mitzvah, so therefore he advised everyone in his tibor that year to build the sukkah before Sukkot. So you don't violate the Daraisa of Ein Mavir and Allah Mitzvah. Everyone, get, everyone get that? Yeah? So one of his Talmidim asked, what are you talking about Ein Mavir and Allah Mitzvah? Who said that building a sukkah is a mitzvah? Right, his whole premise for saying, right, we, right that, his whole premise in saying, build the sukkah before Shabbos is only if you understand that building a sukkah is a mitzvah. If building a sukkah is not a mitzvah, the question doesn't get off the ground. Build it whenever you want, as long as it's before sukkahs. Right? Okay. So, 
his, his, the, the Chalkas Yoav asked this question on, on the Avni Nezer. But, 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 but how do you know he's not connecting the extra mitzvah to actually doing the mitzvah, that they're not, they're not connected? Like it's a great question. So no one, no one denies. Great, great question, Jason. No one denies that building the sukkah is a hechsher mitzvah, right. but to give it the status of a mitzvah, buying a lulav is a is a is, is a hechsher mitzvah. Right. But you don't have to do. There's no so most things unless we said unless it's written in the Torah like by tzitzis and tefillin. There's no parameters how to do the hechsher mitzvah. You can do that. You can buy the lulav okay. an hour before, six hours before, a month before. As a matter of fact, they come in a month before half the time anyway. They're shipped in. There's no time parameters. But here, if you go ahead and said the Avni Nezer, if you wouldn't build it before Sukkot, and you now actually have a 25-hour period that you're not able to build the Sukkah, that's a violation of Ein Marvir al Okay, therefore build it beforehand. But Ein Marvir al presupposes that it's a mitzvah. Where there was another example Does that... apply if you just start and don't complete it? And just great question. You would have to complete it, because if it's not, it doesn't have a shame Sukkah until it's complete. So... Well, yes, because that's what we saw yesterday. Depending how active it is, you're correct. The Rod would say if you're building it, yes, that you would be potter. Now, we for those of us who are here from the beginning, Yanki, uh, Yal, um, for the beginning, Jason, we did a we did the Gemara in Makos that the Gemara said there. We know that the only time someone goes to ahead and goes to air Miklat, if you kill accidentally. If you kill accidentally, Gemara, the example is you lift an axe, you don't really check to make sure that the head of the axe is screwed on tightly, flies off, decapitates the person behind you. It was, it was done accidentally, you run to Air Mikla. The Gemara says, only if you do something while you're doing an act of rishus, meaning you killed someone accidentally, as opposed to a Rebbe who is being mechanech, who's a little aggressive, but in, um, in, in educating or in, uh, in, in conditioning his Talmidim, kills him, that was a considered Dvar Mitzvah, you don't run to Air Mikla. Gemara says, how do you know? Because it says that you were chopping down wood. That's the example. Gemara says, you must have been chopping down wood of rishus. Gemara says, whoa, how do you know it's top of chopping down wood of rishus? Maybe he was chopping wood for marach, a carbon, or for sukkah. And that would be a mitzvah. Rashi says there, and Marcus Tavches, that building a sukkah is a mitzvah. The wood, chopping the wood to build a sukkah is a mitzvah. So we see plenty of possibilities, plenty of, of shitos that hold that building a sukkah is actually a mitzvah. However, <clears throat> majority of people hold that when it says building, it really just means sitting. In fact, in fact, actually there's one more very interesting thing that Tikkunah Zohar says, he says there are two mitzvos in sukkah that we use our hands, the Dalal Minim and presumably building the sukkah. Sitting doesn't require hands. So the Tikkunah Zohar <clears throat> actually says there are two mitzvos by sukkahs that we use our hands. So he must also assume, but the Munkach Rav believed that it was also not, the Minchas Salazar says very famously that in fact, the Yerushalmi says we make a bracha when it comes to sukkah. You actually say, I don't remember exact lashon, remember exact lashon, osa sukkah, live no sukkah, I don't remember exact lashon, but the Yerushalmi says you make a bracha when you build a sukkah. The Bavli does not. And he says, anytime it's machlok, Bavli, Yerushalmi, we're always passing like the Bavli, we do not make a bracha. <clears throat> but it's interesting, there's certainly a tzad to say, we certainly saw enough sources to say that it might be a mitzvah, to go in and build the sukkah. Many, many people, Menachron and Shitos, just say that it really just is a Lashon Lavdafka. It's not a very exact Lashon. It just means to sit in the sukkah. But either way, it's certainly a compelling uh, uh, Machlokas. Have an amazing day, everybody. We'll see you next week.